My name is Liana, for the one or two that I haven't met. Um, Reina sends his greetings this morning. He's preaching in Century City, one of our regional churches. And um, yeah, I just want to share, I don't know if all of you are aware, the last week we've had healing meetings. Is there anyone who, ha- who hasn't been at any of the healing meetings? I'll share some things, okay. Really had an incredible week. I think everyone went at two kilometers an hour and I think a few people are sleeping late this morning, <laughs> recovering. <laughs> but we had Derek and Beryl Puffett here from Allah Ministries. And I just want to say the testimonies of what the Lord did this week. They specialize in healing, inner healing and physical healing. They have interesting views on a lot of things like healing. They say they don't really differentiate between inner and physical healing. Of course, it's different things, but it comes from the same place. And it often goes hand in hand. So it was about all kinds of healing and in all areas. And some of the people um, who testified last week in the evening service, which you guys might not have heard, one person testified that he was really struggling with um, a spirit of suicide to the extent that he was continuously um, considering committing suicide. And he came to one of the sessions and he responded for prayer and he said it instantly left. It's completely just gone. So, I, I mean, I even said this a few weeks ago, we, um, we don't look down on processes. It's often, God does things over time, and it's not less glorious than when he does it instantly. And the process sometimes is necessary, but then again, sometimes he just does it instantly, <laughs> and that's also glorious. Um, so that was just a very powerful testimony, and then obviously lots of testimonies, most of which I can't tell you, <laughs> confidential. But really, I can tell you, the Lord has done a massive work, and we are grateful and we are blessed that we were able to have that time as a church. And yeah, we trust that you know, the Lord will continue also the work. A lot of it has been started in hearts. And God is faithful to complete what he has started. So we're all trusting, um, just from our side, from leadership side, trusting for Allah to establish in Cape Town. Um, so trust with us for that. We really want to, we are partnering with them, but we would love to partner with them here. Um, because that is such a crucial ministry that they specialize in. So even in that regard, if the Lord speaks to you in any way, just come and share with us. Okay, so I'm sharing this morning on the why. And I shared at the evening service a few weeks ago. And really something that God is speaking to our church to at the moment about. And a few weeks ago, actually it's probably months ago now, the district leaders and the elders and the deacons met together. And we really prayed and spoke about just going forward. And this is a big thing that we're going forward with, a big topic. And we, we're very much going to prioritize this for the next six months. Not so much in the sermons, yes, in the sermons as well, but um, there's quite a few processes we're going to go through to say what is the why. And um, Wesley was really giving an introduction to that. So Wesley was saying, you know, why does he go to work? And why does he do the work that he does? And I want to ask you, there's extra paper, so you can just use an extra paper or use your phone. I want to ask you two questions first, and I want you to quickly write down your own answer. No one's going to look at it. I'm not going to take it or anything, so you can be honest. <laughs> you don't have to give the Sunday school answer or the right answer. So the first question is, who are you? Like, for Matthew, who is Matthew? For Rachel, who is Rachel? Nombi, who is Nombi? <laughs> The second question is, who is God? Anyone wants to join the kids' church, I'll I'll release you. (laughs) 
if perhaps some of you haven't heard, let me share with you the on um, Pentecost Sunday, I think about three or so weeks ago, they did uh, the kids' church um, topic was the filling with the Holy Spirit. And they explained it properly to the kids, and most of the kids in kids' church were filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can really be, um, you know, just praise God for that as well. Okay, so if you've written down who are you and who is God, obviously that question that I'm asking, who are you, that's a question of identity. And this is a question that every person has to answer in their life. This is a question that everyone struggles with at some point. Um, I know when I speak in the evening service, there would be maybe a third of the people there who've not wrestled with it, perhaps have not even asked the question. Um, But then there would also be people who have been wrestling with it. And then there would be a few people who've actually sorted that out for themselves. So if I say, "Who, who are you? And you take your paper and you can write it down and it's not more than five points and it's concise and it's the essence of who you are, then you've probably answered that question for yourself. And, and when you look at what you've written down, you feel like, yes, you don't feel like, mm, I'm not sure. Um, it's a big question. It's a really big question and it really takes years to answer. But we have to wrestle with it. We actually have to answer it. Um, many people don't, so, so you can escape it for as long as you want, really. Um, but it, it will still be coming for you. <laughs> the thing is, we were not created like animals who live with instinct um, and who just go through the daily motions. We were created with the inner sense of purpose and identity. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before you were even conceived, you were planned specifically and individually. And from the moment that you were conceived, you have that inside of you, and you have to answer it. And I know a lot of people in life, and I'm sure some of you, yeah, you relate with the wrestle and the struggle of that question. You know that you actually have to answer it, but sometimes you struggle to answer it. So actually, that's not what I'm preaching on this morning. Um, but I do want to say it's an important question, and you have to answer that one, and you have to wrestle it. You have to engage it. You have to ask the Lord. You have to pray. You have to think. Um, Sometimes you can speak to people around you, although people around you can, at the end of the day, not really tell you who you are. No one knows you like God knows you. God is the one who planned you before you were born. So God is the only one who really knows. Sometimes people can give you an indication of what they see in you. Um, but that might be wrong or that might be right. It's good to ask trusted people if you can ask that question. Who is God? That is an important question. Actually, everyone in the world asks that. Everyone in the world asks. Some people take it back and say, is there a God? What they're just really saying is, is it me or is it someone else? (laughs) The question is really, who is God? And you have to engage that one and you have to wrestle it and you have to be able to answer it. And when you've come to those two answers, who am I and who is God, it's such a good place in your life. (laughs) And it's okay if you're not there, but do engage it. Do keep going on it. The next question, and let's read from 1 Samuel, and then we'll talk about the next question. So, is there anyone here who's not familiar with David and Goliath? Then I will just explain the story. Okay, so everyone's familiar. So there's the Philistines, and they're attacking and the Israelites, and there's, they say, let's do the battle this way. We send out one warrior. You defeat him, you win. You don't defeat him, we win. So we're not going to send the whole army in. They obviously send out Goliath. He happens to be a giant. 
and everyone is scared. All the Israelites are scared. David is young. His brothers are in the war. He goes there. He says what's going on, and he's kind of saying, why is no one taking on this giant? And his brothers are irritated with him, and they kind of put him down, like, you know, you're young. What are you doing here? Just go back home. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And the people answered him as the first ones did. And I want to focus on that sentence, is there not a cause? So David comes, and David knows God, and David understands the God of his people, and that God is for his people. And this is the equation that David has in his mind. Now he cannot understand, there's a whole army here, and there's, who knows God, well, not necessarily, who are God's people. And there's Goliath. And not one person in this entire army is willing to stand up against Goliath. Yet David comes. He's not trained. This army is trained. They are formidable warriors. They are probably strong. They are skilled. They have the right gear. Um, They are prepared. They are there. But not one of them is willing to take on Goliath. David comes. He's young. He's not trained. They say he can't even wear the armor. It's too heavy. He's not skilled. He's not prepared in the way that the army is prepared. Yet he's willing to take on Goliath. And the question you have to ask is why? Why when no one else is willing to do it, why is David allowed? And why is he willing to do it? And something you might say is that David knew God, and that is true. But I believe there would have been other people there who knew God. Why, why is there not one who is willing to stand up and do what David is willing to do? And then David says this, is there not a cause? David is the only person there who's asking the question, why? Everyone knows what needs to be done. We need to beat Goliath. It's very simple. Everyone knows how to do it, in how to attempt it. You have to fight him, and you have to win. So we know, everyone knows what needs to be done, and everyone knows how it needs to be done. But only one person seems to be saying, why does it need to be done? David is the only one who engages the cause. Is there not a cause? Why do we have to defeat Goliath? And obviously being connected to God, he understands that this is what they have to do now. This is, the, this is what God wants for his people. And this is what God is able to do for them. And we know that David goes on to fight Goliath and he wins. And he doesn't win, we know this. He doesn't win based on his skill or on his training, on his size. He wins because God is with him. But there are other people there, and God is also with them. And they, I believe there are other people who also could have overcome Goliath by the power of God. The difference is David was the one who was willing to go. And in a very real way, he was risking his life. So David was willing to do something that could cost him his life because there was a cause. So because David could answer why, he was willing to do the what and the how. The only difference between David and everyone else is that David was the one who was asking why it needs to be done and actually coming to the answer. And that's what I want to speak about this morning, the why. So there's the who are you and there's the who is God, but then there's the why are you here. And that is also a question that we wrestle with and we have to take that one on. And that was what Wesley was speaking about. We know what to do and we often know how to do it. 
But do we actually know why we are doing it? Why do you get up in the morning? I get up because my kids wake me up. <laughs> but <laughs> I could probably, I don't know, just leave them in sleep. Um, then they would do something harmful. But they, it happens in the world that parents leave their kids to do harmful things. So why do I actually get up and manage them? Why do I get up? Why do I engage my day? Why do I live? In every decision that you make, why do you do the job that you do? Why are you married? Why did you have kids? Why did you buy a house or not buy a house? Why do you move somewhere or not move somewhere? Why do you change jobs or why don't you change jobs? Um, every decision that you make, there's a reason why you do it. And you don't um, have to pray about which shoes you wear in the morning. I'm not saying there's a greater cause for every action. But on big decisions, you are definitely making your decisions based on a why. You might not be aware of what it is, though. And better to be aware of what it is and make sure that it's the right one. So if I say to you, what is the why of your life? Now think of just a group of Christians. What do you think some of the answers might, might be? So why do you live? What would be a biblical answer? To glorify God? To be salt and light? To fulfill the purposes of God for our generation? To continue Jesus' ministry? Oh, Leon, listen to my previous sermon. <laughs> Kimmy. <laughs> so, so we know the right answers. And there's actually many of them. And all of them are right. I mean, can any of those be wrong? No. To fulfill the Great Commission, to love God, to love people, to serve to be more like Jesus, to do the work Jesus gave us, to raise up the saints for the work of the ministry, to do the work of an evangelist, to shepherd. There's probably more than a million whys, and they're all biblical. But before God formed you in the womb, he knew you. And not, you cannot fulfill those million in your lifetime. Um, let me release you from that. <laughs> But God formed you in the womb with a specific why. Do you know what it is? That's the question we have to ask God. So you have to know that for yourself. It must be biblical as a Christian. It must be biblical. Um, but it cannot just be biblical. It has to be the, the specific why that God formed you for. If you want to take that further, each one of us has a why. There's a reason why we are alive. But then as a church, we also have a why. There's a reason why Shava Ronabash is here. If there isn't a reason, then we shouldn't be here. Um, it's, we're not, we don't have a church because we think it's a good idea to have a church in Ronabash. It's a good idea to start this church. We better start a church when God has a reason for it. Now, biblically, there is, like I said, a million reasons for church. There's also a million things that biblically churches should do. So let me maybe always also break the truth to you. We're not going to do all of them, all million of them. No one church 
can fulfill everything that churches should do that's mentioned in the Bible. Because that was not the plan. That's not how the Lord made it. The Lord always works in the body, the body principle, different parts coming together. So as Shofar Ronabosh, even before we planted, we said, why? Why, Lord? And who knows what the Lord said when we planted the church? Some of you have been around that long. Yes, so that was for Shofar, to reach nations and generations, and for Ronabosh. And obviously, as a part of Shofar, we should fall in line with that, definitely. Yeah, I'll send them out. So the scripture that the Lord gave us when he planted this church was, I will send you sons and daughters from afar. So we knew the Lord would keep sending us people from all over the world. And in any given year, we have people from more than 10 countries in our church. And that they would be here for a specific amount of time, which might be short, it might be long. And at some point, the Lord will send them again. Because we knew why we existed, we can make decisions in line with our purpose. And I want to say the why, yes, it has to do with purpose, but it's, it's a level deeper. The why is the reason for your purpose. So someone, um, Louis said I could share this. He lives, um, he's in church, plays the drums. He lives in the flat behind our house. So I preached this in the evening service, and then in the week he said to us, he, it really struck him, and he went home, and he, he kept on saying to the Lord, why? Why do I live? And actually, there's a, he's been meditating on Psalm 23 for a year, and, and through prayer in those two days, so it didn't really happen in two days, it was coming on for a year, but after the sermon, he just was able to ask it more specifically, and he said, um, Lord, what is the why? And the Lord said to him, I am your shepherd. Is that true for all of us? That's true for all of us, the Lord is our shepherd. But for him, it was the why of his life. And he had to make a big decision that week. The next day, he had to make the big decision. And when he had to make the decision, he could measure his decision against his purpose, his why. See, his purpose in life is not that the Lord would be his shepherd. He has different purposes in life. But the why, what's underlying to it, is that phrase. And can the Lord expand it through your life? Yes. Can he grow it? Yes. We necessarily have a full understanding now, maybe not, but do we have to engage it? Yes. <laughs> when you come to that core thing, then you can measure everything against it. Whether you move overseas, whether you take a new job, what, which ministry you're going to join in church, whether you're going to start an outreach initiative at your company, everything that you do you measure against the why of your life. Because you will always have, there's always more opportunities than you have capacity. Who knows that to be true? <laughs> How many biblical opportunities are there around you? Do you see sick people who need prayer? Do you see broken people on the street who need financial assistance? Do you see lost people? How many people in one day do you see that needs to be impacted with the kingdom? And yes, we should be reaching a lot of them, each one of us, as we encounter those people. But you will always have to make decisions about what you will prioritize. And how do you know how to make that decision? Because you could see 20 things in one minute that are all biblical. You cannot do all 20 in one minute. How do you know which one you are supposed to do? Yes, you ask the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit establishes the why of your life, it makes it so much easier. Then you don't have a need to have a new word every minute. <laughs> 
because you've already had the word from God about your life. And this is a revelational word that you need. It, it must be a revelation from God. What is the why of your life? I want to look at the life of Jesus. John 6, 38. So Jesus coming to earth. And Jesus is saying, why is he coming to earth? I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Okay, so think of, you can just um, take the screen away, thanks. Um, so think of, for instance, myself. So if I were to do, if I had to choose between my will and God's will, which would be the better one to choose? God, okay. So I think we can sometimes read it like that, but we're talking about Jesus. Okay, so if you had to choose between Jesus' will and God's will, which one would be better? <laughs> no, I honestly don't know. <laughs> Could it ever be bad? Could Jesus' will be bad? Could Jesus' will be wrong? Could it be a bad thing for Jesus to do his own will? I don't think so. Because Jesus is part of God. So it's quite something different. This is not like as if it was one of us. This is Jesus saying, in this specific thing that I'm doing, I'm coming to earth. In this specific assignment of mine, he says, this is why I'm coming. I'm not coming to do my own will, which would not have been a bad thing. And I don't think it could have been wrong because it's Jesus. But he says, I understand the why of why I'm coming to earth. I'm not coming to do my own will. I'm coming to do the will of him who sent me. Now, when you're going through an easy season of your life, you're going through success, things are going well, sometimes the why doesn't matter to you, depending where you are in your process with that. But when you have to make a difficult decision, then it becomes incredibly important. You can look at the next scripture, Luke 22, verse 42. Now Jesus is at the most difficult decision. He's in the garden. He's going to be crucified. He understands what's coming. And it's so intense that he's sweating blood about the fact that he has to go through this. And Jesus had a real choice whether to go to the cross or not. He could have chosen not to go. He genuinely had a choice. It had to be a free will choice in order to be a substitution for us. So he had a genuine choice. And then he says in the garden, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In the moment of the most difficult decision that Jesus has to make, he, he's able to measure it against the why. He understands that I came to earth not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So when push comes to shove, in the crunch time, when it's literally going to cost him his life, he's able to make the decision because he understands the why. The same with David. In the decision, we had to make a decision which was really going to be life or death for him. He was able to make it because he understood the why. Let's look at the life of Esther. Anyone not familiar with the story of Esther? Then I'll just give some context. Okay. So Esther was taken as a, as a possibility to be a wife for the king. She was chosen. She's a Jew, but the king doesn't know this. Um, one of the king's People, Haman wants to kill all the Jews. The, the decree is sent out. Mordecai is essentially Esther's father. He's really her uncle, but she grew up with him. And he comes to tell her. So he can't get to Esther in the temple, so he sends someone. Mordecai um, told this guy, 
to instruct Esther to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. So Mordecai says, Esther, you're the only one with access to the king. The king's going to kill all the Jews. Can you please go and ask him not to do it? Esther says, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death, unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So this is the law. You don't get to go to the king. You have to be called. If you're not called and you go, you could be killed. So I believe in this conversation, in this first sentence, Esther doesn't know the why of her life yet. And Mordecai has an idea of the why of his life and her life. And it's about the preservation of the Jews. And he comes and he asks her to do something and she says, it might cost me my life, so basically I'm not going to do it. Mordecai says, do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. If you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. So it's, it's um, a sensitive issue to let someone else speak into the purpose of your life. This is not something that you should take from anyone. Because it, most of us, even our parents when we're young, declare over us what they believe to be the purpose of our life. And it's, not, it's, often not, it's often out of their own desires or what they actually wish they were. It's often not what God wanted. And it can send you on the wrong path. So it's not advisable to just go ask anyone what they think the purpose of your life is. But Mordecai was a father to Esther. And he was someone who loved God. He was a trusted advisor. And, he, and they had that relationship where they knew that. And in this moment, he is trying to, to help her come to the why of her life. Also note that he didn't say, this is the reason for your life. He said, could it not be that this is the reason for your life? And Esther says, go, gather together the Jews who are in Susa, fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I find that remarkable that from one sentence to the next, she said, I'll not do it because I might die. Mordecai brings up this possibility of the why of her life. Obviously, she resonates with it. I believe she also knew God, and she is testing it, and Mordecai is a trusted advisor. And in one sentence, she comes to this conclusion, it's probably something that God has spoken to her before, and this is just where the penny drops. And in one sentence, she gets it. She gets the why of her life. And this is amazing for me. From one sentence to the next, she says, I won't do it because I might die. And in the next sentence, she says, I'm going. And if I perish, I perish. The risk is real. We know the end of the story, but she didn't. She might die. It might kill her. And she went from not being willing to take that risk to clicking the why of her life. And in the next moment, she's willing to, do, to die for something. She's willing to do something that she might have to die for. That's the power of understanding the why of your life. God created all of us with a why. And essentially, everyone in the world is looking to fulfill the why of their life. It's not always, it's often a journey, as in it's not a specific thing that you do, and when it's done, it's done, and then you die. 
So it's, it's not a linear why, it's often a journey why. Um, but most people in the world are looking for it, and that is, that is why there's this common situation where people find wealth. They think it's wealth. They think it's fame. They think it's career success or whatever. They find all that, and then they're still not happy. Um, who knows DJ Vici? Yeah, so he died a few weeks ago. He committed suicide. Um, he, was, he was quite young, and he was a very good DJ, and he just rose to fame very quickly, and he had played in front of massive, massive crowds. And I found it so sad when I read his parents' um, letter about his death. Did anyone read it? A few people. So they were essentially saying that for years he struggled with the meaning of life, and he couldn't find it, and that's why he committed suicide. But if you, so, number one, I'm thinking, oh, there's an answer. There is an answer. He didn't find it, but it, there is one. God is the answer. The truth is the answer. And if, if someone could just have given that to him, because obviously he found that every, the fame, the money, everything he had, he obviously realized it's not it. And he kept on searching, and he just couldn't find it. And it, it's, I don't know if you agree, those of you who have read it, but if you re- read his parents' it, Later, I said, Rainer, it's as if his parents are almost saying that's okay. They write it as if it was so difficult for him not to find meaning in life that maybe it's a good thing that he took his own life because it, it would have been suffering for him. It was suffering for him to exist and it just would have continued. And I said, Rainer, I think it's because um, of euthanasia that it's becoming legal in lots of countries that. You could take your own life. You could ask to be killed if you're suffering from a medical or mental condition. Or your family could ask it on your behalf. Um, People have accepted that there's no hope because they don't know God. So death is becoming a a greater escape. And if you read the letter, it's almost like like his parents also don't have hope and they also don't have meaning. And... The way I read it, it's like, you know, some people are okay to live without meaning, but others are not. And those who are not okay to live without it, it's okay if they take their own life. This is the state of thinking in the world right now. And the big lack here is the hope and the truth. It's, what they are saying is logical where there's a void of hope. That is logical when there's no hope. But the truth is there is hope. And it is just such a pity that they didn't know that he didn't know and that they don't know. And praise the Lord, may someone tell them, bring the hope to them. Back to Esther. So in that moment, she understands the why of her life and she's able to die for it. And you'll see in many people's lives and maybe in your own, it's progressive. When you start out life, um, you have a few goals and you, it's important enough for you to have those things that you want. So it's all you think about, working to the, towards those things. And then there's a point where you get them. And for many people, it's a, a kind of career, success, a level of um, wealth, a level of fame. But then as life progresses, wherever people are looking for it in the wrong places, they keep, have to, they keep having to change direction, look for it somewhere else, look for it somewhere else. And the, the only time that people come to peace is when you really find it. And the only place where you can really find it is in the one who created you, the one who put it there in the first place. And that's the why of your life. So I want to encourage you. Firstly, I want to encourage you 
if you haven't asked that question, and, and there's the three questions that are important. Who am I? Who is God? And why am I here? I want you to start asking it. Don't be overwhelmed by the fact that you don't have the answer. Sometimes in this generation, we want things to come so quickly that we're not willing to engage something that's not going to come easily. So let me tell you, it's not going to come easily. It might take years. But it, if you're not engaging it, then it might take forever. Engage it. Think about it. Write down what you think. Ask people that you trust, trusted advisors, people who are connected to the Lord. Ask God. Look for it in the Bible. And yes, there is common truth, and we need to know that. We need to know the Bible and the common truth to all of us. But then you need to know the specific truth that God highlights to you as an individual. If you struggle with that, um, then you need to speak to your small group leader, your district leader, how to engage with the Holy Spirit, how to talk to God, how to hear His voice. I want to encourage all of us to to take that journey, to start it if you haven't yet, to continue it if you are on it, to wrestle with it, to pray about it. And then as a church, we are also taking on that journey. So at the moment, the district leaders, the deacons and the elders, myself and Reina, we're praying about it. Um, we know the why of Shavaronabosh, God sends us sons and daughters. Over the last year and a half, there's been a lot of shifts, starting with when I preached about the four memorials, which is captured in the paintings there, um, just really speaking about us as a church, what are we, who are we, and what are we doing here, and why does it matter, um, and we believe that at this time the Lord wants to take it a level further, I don't believe God takes away from what he gave us when he started us, but I think he adds, and we are really praying about that, and um, some of the people in the church are going to be working in groups and coming together and, and really engaging this, we also believe that um, in a lot of ways, since we've planted the church, so the church is eight years old now, and since we've planted the church, in some ways we've had to run ahead and just open the ground and just um, establish things. And then there's this African proverb, proverb for, was it Elizabeth who quoted it on Facebook? <laughs> it's a, every time you mention it, then lots of people post it, um, which says, Raina says, who not even knows if it's African? Like, he thinks people just sometimes say that, but... It says, if you want to go far, go alone. Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So from the leadership side, we also feel a big shift in the season in, in that regard. We've always moved together as leaders, um, but we're going to do that even more. We really want to all take it slower and move together and go, we, go for that which God has given us um, and move into that which the Lord has for us. So that process will be ongoing. If you want to be um, included, please speak to your small group leader, your district leader, just to see how, you know, you can definitely give your input to them and they can bring it to the, to the right forums. If the Lord speaks to you something specific, please feel free to bring it. And also just keep it in your prayers. We're really going to spend about six months on the process intensively, but it's probably about a three-year process um, just to let the Lord shape all of us and us as a body, into that which he wants, um, so that we make sure we live for him, and we live for that which he has for us. We don't miss out on things which he has for us, and we don't sit back and, and miss where he wanted us to engage. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for everyone that's here this morning, and yeah, Father, I'm just so aware of the different places in our lives that we're at with discovering the why I'm going to pray for people that really want to 
discover their identity, that really want to establish it and really know who they are. And I thank you, Jesus, that you made them exactly as you wanted them. Each person here this morning has an identity from you. And I pray that each person would come to know that. Each one of us would have the full understanding of who we are made to be as an individual in ourselves, created by God, fashioned for a purpose, a specific purpose. And I thank you, Lord, as, as we engage these questions. I pray for encouragement. Just send some hearts. When I say these things, you feel discouraged and you feel weary because you feel that it'll be too difficult. Maybe you've engaged it before. And it's been disheartening. And I even want to ask you to look up at me so that I can pray for you if that's you. If there's anyone who feels discouraged about the process of taking it on. And Lord, I just thank you for people who feel discouraged. Thank you that they can have just that boldness to say it this morning. And thank you for hope, Lord. And that you're not holding a tedious, difficult task in front of us. But rather you are inviting us on a journey and it's an adventure. You're inviting us really to the adventure of a lifetime, of this journey with you, knowing who we are, who you are, who you've made us to be. So I thank you, Lord, that we can just release that truth of that it is a joyful journey and that it's full of hope um, and that the, it's full of treasures. I just sense for many of us in this room, it's going to be so amazing to you to discover what God has made you for. It's like you're going to, um, I see like a, warriors who go on a ship and they go to a new island and they find treasure and, and yeah, it just seems uncharted waters, as even as you journey with the Lord into unknown seas you're going to go to places even within yourself that you didn't think you would be willing or able to go to but the Lord will go there with you Jesus will be in the boat with you and you're going to find treasures you're going to find things that God has even put in you and I thank you, Lord, that we can trust you in this room for each person, Lord, and also each person who's not here this morning. Thank you that we can trust you for that revelation, the revelation of the why. Thank you, Lord, as we go in faithfulness and pursue it and wrestle it and write down what you've already said to us and, and work through it to see what are you saying. Thank you that you bring to remembrance important things. Some people in this room, I just sense the Lord is bringing back things that he said to you when you just got saved there, there's some keys there that he said to you when you just got saved and thank you Holy Spirit that you bring back those memories some of you have had dreams that you don't understand but the dreams are, are speaking about you thank you Lord that you help people to understand those dreams that you give them the capacity to interpret it Holy Spirit to see what you're saying thank you Lord that we can just declare the value of each life in this place and the value of the purpose that you have for them. Thank you that you raise each person up, Lord. Thank you for the boldness. I sense for some of us, it's when you discover the why, um, it's like you are actually willing to take off some of the bags that you're carrying, the unnecessary weights. Um, it's, you've never seen a reason to take them off, but when you understand the why, you suddenly understand that you can't go there with it. Thank you, Father, for a courage and a boldness to let things go and to, to walk towards that which you have for each one of us, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We want to say this morning that we cannot move without your help. We cannot think of taking on this journey without you. Thank you that you're with us, that you're with each person, that you guide us, that you establish things. Thank you, Father, for just that 
I sense some of us, and I'm, you can look at me if that's you, but some of us are, have had a sense of laziness that you don't want to taste your decisions. It's too hard work. You actually just want to make the decisions that you want to make. And if that's you, just look at me, and I'm going to pray for you. You can just repent for that. Lord, we just repent of the times when we don't want to weigh our decisions with the why or with your purposes. We've, we have a bit of a laziness, and we just want to get get on with it and get going. Um, Father, we repent sometimes of that, um, being so hasty and not patient, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you enable us to live our lives in that line. It's like I see a map, and there's a there's a journey marked out, and the Lord gives us what we need to follow the journey. But sometimes we just want to keep someone's like zigzagging over the path, to the one side, to the other side, to the one side, to the other side. It's just making the path actually three times as long. And every time you zigzag, you're into a marsh or you're into a nettles or into something that's not pleasant. Thank you, Lord, that um, we can trust you. We can choose to trust you this morning on the journey that you have and that you would grow us in making the decisions that does not zigzag us all over the path. Um, just because your heart is good and you don't want us in the mud and in the thorns and in everything. But there is a path that you've set out for us. And yes, it goes over the mountains. And yes, it goes through the valleys. But you're good. And in, in all those things, you're taking consideration, Lord. And you know your purposes. Thank you that we can trust you with that. There's some people this morning who even have to... God has taken you over a mountain or through a valley and now you think that he's a bad road planner and you actually want to zigzag because you don't think he knows what he's doing. And if that's you, you can just repent to God this morning and choose to trust him. Lord, I want to trust you on this path. I want to walk this path that you have because it is the best one, because you are good, because you love me. We thank you for that, Lord. And we want to just consecrate the church to you this morning, the leadership, elders, district, district leaders, deacons, small group leaders, all of us, myself and Reino, and everyone else, Lord. We consecrate everyone to you this morning. And we want to thank you that you've just been good to us. We want to thank you for the why that you have planted this church with. And we thank you for the season that you're again drawing us into your heart just to take it deeper. And we want to work with you in this process, Lord. We need you. We don't want to go anywhere that you are not going. Thank you for the the enablement that you want to bring, for the purposes that you have for us. Thank you for each person who's going to engage on this journey, that we can pray strength to them this morning and really revelation in the name of Jesus. Let your name be glorified through everything, God. And we worship you this morning. Amen. Thanks, everyone. If there's any need for prayer, you're welcome to come forward. Please feel free to join us for snacks at the back. God bless you in your week.